The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 101. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Just a quick reminder off the top, please be sure to share the podcast on Twitter or Facebook or your favorite social media, and definitely please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and and where you're listening to the podcast from, because that gets us seen by more people, um, especially those who would be interested in hearing us talk about all things Star Wars. So today we are discussing the seventh episode of Star Wars Visions. This one is titled The Elder. And joining me tonight on the panel is, first up, we have Thomas Sanherjo, a.k.a. Ronan. It's great to be here. It's so good to have you on. Next up is Mike Creevy, also called Old Ben. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. And finally this evening is Angela Cialana, or The Bendu. I am the one in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. So, um, we're going to just kind of jump right in because there wasn't a whole lot um in news things to talk about so uh i'll kind of throw it off to you guys first of all what did you guys think of this episode of visions i loved it <laughs> i um i it's it's definitely interestingly i think it's out of a lot of them the most true to star wars in the way that we know it like lore wise Mm-hmm. And then it's also been the most kind of stylized after a really traditional uh, that that showdown uh, samurai versus samurai concept. So it, it took the best of both worlds, in my opinion. It, this is the one that like really got the spirit of visions right in a very big way. That's kind of how I felt, too. I, I um I don't know if they I, I I don't know if you guys know this and we can maybe get into it later or not. Doesn't matter, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things. But um, I might have missed it if it came out in some of the preliminary stuff about visions. What exactly the instructions were, sort of, so to speak, from from Lucasfilm as far as what time frame we're looking at here, because uh, I think one of the most surprising things to me from the beginning, I think, was was just how short they are. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's been a challenge for me on some of them. Some of them I thought there was like, well, okay, got it. You know, like I personally didn't think I needed a whole lot more from the, um, the, the, the rock band one. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I thought you it was just as long as it needed to be. What's that? You didn't want an encore? <laughs> didn't want... <laughs> Maybe if I'd been there, you know, where it was, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, yeah, I agree with Thomas. I think this, this one felt for me, at least, I think this felt the most sort of 
organic, maybe Star Wars. I'm guessing High Republic, maybe based on some things in it. Um, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that. So I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd have to say I enjoyed it as well. Um, and I was surprised by it because when I saw that it was created by the same studio that created the twins, um, mm. it felt very different. Oh, Although yeah. I found out later that um, the two, I guess, creative heads of the studio each took one episode. And so mm-hmm. there, there is some, you know, creative difference there, obviously, but for everything that you said, you know, I agree. Um, and also just, I felt like it was too short. I felt like there could have been so much more that we saw from this, this, these characters, this planet, you know, um, I was, I was invested. So I did enjoy it. I kind of feel like a broken record here, but I, I totally (laughs) agree with you guys. Uh, this felt almost like the kickoff of, I mean, almost like the, uh, the duel where like it spawned a novel. Like this was mm-hmm. almost the same sort of thing as you could, you could have a, a another story wrapped around, uh, this Jedi and, and his apprentice. And, um, I was surprised by the, the slow pace of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm assuming that was intentional and, and, you know, reflected, uh, you know, the, um, the, uh, the, the cultures behind it. You know, but I was, I don't know, I, I, I guess, yeah, I was thinking of like the twins or some of the others, uh, or maybe just coming off of uh, TOB1 where it's just sort of like quick and, and, and everything. This one sort of almost forced me to just like take a breath. And, and I, and I appreciated that. I, I loved the, the dynamic between uh, the master and the apprentice. I'm not sure if we were supposed to be thinking about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, but that's exactly what I was thinking about. That's what I was. You know, and I, and I really appreciate it. Like you have the energetic, youthful um, Padawan and then the master, like his voice is like, I mean, almost deadpan. He's like calm and collected (laughs) and nothing's going to rile him up. And I, I liked that, uh, that dynamic. Um, and I, I mean, I just noticed a, a bunch of, of parallels with, with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan too. You've got, um, I mean, the master and apprentice situation you've got, even Qui-Gon is a bit just kind of more calm and collected between him and Obi-Wan, at least in, in episode one. And, uh, you've got, um, the master having a green blade and the Padawan having a blue blade, which I thought was fun. And you've got this sort of parallel when they fight the elder with like the fight with Darth Maul as well. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I kind of, I, I liked all of those kind of elements. Cause that's kind of, that was my lens that I was kind of watching this through. Uh, so I, I did, I did really appreciate that. Uh, a couple other random points to, to note. Um, uh, so David Harbor did the English uh, dub for the master and um he's um Alexi in Black Widow and Hellboy. So I mean so he's 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 kind of a face that that many of us probably know. Um and then from Stranger Things. It's like you're missing the biggest one. Thing. one. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I don't know if oh I should Oh my gosh, he's Hopper in Stranger Things. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, legendary character, but very different from this character. So oh, yeah. I was impressed by that. Mhm. Um, and then Dan was voiced, at least in the English dub, by Jordan Fisher. And um, I at least know him because he showed up in the latest season of The Flash as Bart Allen, Barry Allen's uh, future future son. So I thought that was cool. 
but I was most excited about the voice of the elder, but we might get there later. Uh, <laughs> please uh, jump into that because I didn't actually know uh, that. that oh, actor. So, uh, so James Hong, I've, I've, he's been in a lot for a very long time. And, and I, I must confess, I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was dead. He's one of those actors where I have this false memory of having heard that he passed away recently. So then I started trying to do this thing of like, when, when was this recorded? You know, but he's mm-hmm. alive and he's 92. So uh, wow. good for him. But he's, um, he's been in so many things. You, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can't think. The only one I can think of is, is Balls of Fury, which is the ping pong movie, which is ridiculous and, and funny and Christopher Walken's in that but he's he's like the sage like ping pong Yoda type you know character in that but he's he's done a lot of comedy stuff um but this I mean he was he creeped me out big time <laughs> as far as voicing it and I must confess I did I didn't listen to it um with without the dub so I, I might I might go back and do that too but uh yeah I thought he did a, a convincing job is that common, Thomas, for kind of the the bad samurai to be that kind of uh, chaotic and expressive? It depends. Um, this is really this really kind of harks back to the, the Kabuki play, uh, where it's very much mm-hmm. more of a, a stylized uh, representation. And so, what you have uh, here is actually a demon, a bakemon or an oni uh, that's fighting against the samurai, and so. Uh, the the samurai learns from the demon because the demon is doing things improperly, but it's still challenged to beat them. And that's kind of like if anybody who's ever done any martial art uh, knows that the worst person to be put pitted against is the newbie because you you have no idea what they're going to do. <laughs> like with anybody else, you can predict what's happening with the newbie. You're just like, I don't really know what's going on here. And in this case, you have that kind of turned on its head where it's a chaos that's intentional and that's kind of the way uh, this, this person's fighting. And so you really have this beautiful play on that concept of the, the swordsman, the master swordsman having to fight against an unknown and to develop himself and learn while he's fighting. And, and yeah, there's a long tradition of that in the, in the samurai, like in the, in the way it's written, I have books and books and books that have pictures of like the, the Tengu or the, the Bakemono fighting against the, the samurai and the samurai having to learn forms from them. That's so cool. Yeah. There's, I, I was geeking out with this one. This is like, I was like, yes, this is so neat. <laughs> well, and it adds, uh, it adds a lot more context to the, to the fight than like just a simple, like, mm-hmm. Oh, they fought and the, 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 the bad guy lost, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot more going on, uh, than just what's being seen even. So, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, but let's, uh, jump into at least the, the recap and we can kind of, um, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll ultimately end up at the, at the fight scene. Uh, so this, this episode starts off with the, the Jedi master and his apprentice, Dan, um, and they're heading to, uh, the outer rim and Dan is an ambitious and uh, he wants to see the galaxy and wants excitement and action. And he's almost disappointed that the Outer Rim is so peaceful. Um, I feel like I imagine many of us could could relate to that, at least maybe in our in our younger years when we're kind of, you know, just trying to like even he- heading off to college and have these kind of big dreams for for ourselves and, and, and the world and. Um, I feel like <laughs> at least I could relate to, to Dan in that way. Uh, cause that's kind of the, the, the romantic sort of like, I'm going to save the world. 
kind of kind of you know thing that sets us on our path and uh we get pulled back down to down to earth pretty quickly though yeah and i thought it was neat that they named him dan because like i just thought of martial arts where that's the word for someone's rank right so it's kind of like how they're growing in knowledge and experience and everything so yeah perfect for a a padawan Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and the and the the interactions between him and the master are so good. Where the master is just like so laid back, and you you have that kind of Qui Gon and Obi Wan thing going on, where the master is so laid back, and the the Padawan is very sarcastic and just <laughs> openly so, and the master just like ignores it, just completely keeps going. <laughs> There's an element there too that that I totally thought of um, Obi Wan and Anakin. Because Anakin, mm-hmm. at least, and when in his when he's a Padawan, he's got a, got a bit more sarcasm than Obi Wan did. But yeah, uh, I couldn't help but think just you know, Dave. At least with David Harbor's portrayal, you know, uh, vocally speaking, I just thought you know, if if he's got as as any part of his Jedi tasks, you know, as a high school teacher, I'm thinking if this guy's got any lecturing. <laughs> That's on his, you know, sort of to-do list back home. He's he's got to be putting people to sleep. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's just so like completely mellow, like very <laughs> you know, like very monotone sometimes. And I just like I I don't know why I really liked it, but it was just sort of weird. It was a little off-putting almost. It's like he's too calm. I don't know. But he would probably <laughs> handle a rowdy classroom with ease. He just stares him down and then like <laughs> ah, okay yeah yeah <laughs> slowly pulls the. Pull row back just enough to, you know, see the lightsaber there, you know. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm just fixing my belt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other cool things about this episode was there was um, a number of just kind of little, I, I guess I would call them sort of philosophy gems that were kind of just scattered uh, throughout mm-hmm. the episode. And, um, and so one of them even came right here at the beginning. And because Dan is, you know, wanting to wanting excitement and and um, action and adventure, and the the master tells him, uh, the seeds of misfortune, when in peaceful soil, can be easy to overlook. And I thought that this was a, a very uh, profound and interesting statement to to think about because Dan is almost. <laughs> Um, wanting some big misfortune, not because he wants there to be evil, but he wants to be able to attack the evil and he wants, you know, the, the big scale fight and they're heading to the outer rim where it's fairly peaceful. And with that, he's going to overlook just the ordinary kind of things that he could do to help out. And and so I, I appreciated that because often, like I said, our the 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 temptation is kind of to look um almost too big and to to forget to notice that like we can still change the world in our own households, our own communities, and we don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily like fight that 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 big, you know, ambiguous sort of, you know, dragon when we can we can do things right right here in our own backyard and and those are often the first to be overlooked i like that it was a a non-canon piece of wisdom that fit with the the mentality of a jedi and that that to me was really great because it wasn't that they just didn't grab something out of the box that's already there right Mm -hmm. Mm because the immediate response you come up with as a viewer knowing star wars is uh you know the the yoda issues about <laughs> conflict you know and uh, and all of that stuff like kind of dumps in there and then he says something completely different you're like oh wow 
this guy's wise in a different way. <laughs> he also does something interesting, uh, you know, in the same vein, um, just right after that, because uh, the master senses this disturbance in the force and they come out of hyperspace. Um, and Dan, of course, again, is hoping almost that it's a cyst so he can go fight. And uh, the master tries to sort of temper Dan's desire to fight. And he says something again, interesting. He says a Jedi does not seek aggressions. A Jedi must find balance and stillness. And so this was also, at least in my recollection, um, I mean, it, it totally fits the the Jedi, you know, the Jedi way. But it but it was almost like a new take on the Jedi code. And and so I, I really appreciated that because I actually I don't like the Jedi code. Um, you know, if you kind of, if you kind of parse it out, it's very stoic, you know, there's no emotion, there's peace, there's no ignorance, there's knowledge, there's no passion, there's serenity, there's no chaos, there's harmony, there's no death, there's the force, you know, and, and I, and I've never really liked it because it sort of denies our, our humanity. Like, um, it's just a, it's a list of denials. Right, right, right. And I feel like someone threw that together before a board meeting. (laughs) They're like, oh, I was supposed to have that ready today. Oh, okay. There is no. (laughs) But it, but it makes sense because I'm on, on one level, like if you, if, cause you pit Mm -hmm. that against the the Sith and you've got kind of both ends of the, of the both extremes of one is all about passion and, and embracing, you know, your, your emotions and anger and all of that. And the Jedi code is sort of a negation of all of that, but there's still like this denial of like, uh, we can actually harness our, our passions for, for good. And, and, uh, you know, our, our emotions, you know, can lead us down the road of, of right and just, um, and I, I'm not really wanting to necessarily debate that, but what I liked about what, the master says is, is, is he's, he didn't really, I mean, it was sort of implicitly referenced, but he was just talking about, you know, a Jedi does not seek out aggressions, but a Jedi finds balance and stillness. And I felt like that was an appropriate way to, to say all that because it doesn't, it doesn't um, reject emotion or passion, but it's all about finding the balance um, and even stillness, but you can still feel things and be, have that interior balance and, and stillness. Um, and of course, you know, it's, it wouldn't do anyone good to seek out aggressions because that, that can lead you, of course, to, uh, embracing the, the, the wrong kind of, of anger and, and emotions. And, and it plays out through the rest of the episode too, when, when we find the, the emotional connection that the Padawan is able to make with the village kids, right? Just playing with them and being kind of a, a, a childlike figure with them as well. And that's not the stoic removed emotionless way. Right. But it's the just living life where you are and that ends up serving them in the end because the kids then are able to show them the way up the mountain. And, uh, you know, there's all these different things that happen because he's open to the experience that they're having. I thought that was brilliant because uh i've done that too we're like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the 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 blink or the wink one eye and then wink the other eye and then like <laughs> you know trying to get you know either my nieces and nephews or or you know toddlers like it is like the coolest thing you know <laughs> that, that that you can do that and of course they try it and they they can't quite figure it out so you were just this super cool person and so <laughs> i i That's very much related from to afar. That. 
because yeah, like right. I, I do, you know, do the same thing if you do like the you know pretend to like blow on your hand like it's a balloon and make shapes and stuff mm-hmm. just, they're just like anything like that this is just it's such a sweet subtle little thing they, they put in there i liked that too mm-hmm. and that's the way to connect to kids i mean you, you show them something mm-hmm. fun like that and and, mm-hmm. and yeah thomas you're right it's 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 not devoid of emotion there's a bit of mischievousness there that mm-hmm. allows him to to connect uh and that's that's good that's not something to be uh rejected um, and so at that point, too, yeah, the, the kids, um, well, the, the kids ultimately help help Dan uh, kind of go into the mountains. But uh, the master talks to the to the village, the villagers and finds out that there was this elder from some unknown tribe that that stopped in on the planet. And so they so the master thinks that this elder is someone that he they need to go check out because he uh, very likely is the disturbance in the force that that he felt. And so they do decide to investigate, and they broke the cardinal rule of any horror movie. They decide to split up, <laughs> split up. <laughs> and and not to make this a bad uh, an episode on commentary on parenting, but letting the children. He's like the, the mountains are dangerous. <laughs> Get yourself a guide, and then it's like the kids. I'm like. What? Let them go. Wait, first. hold on. That was the that that was like of all the things in the episode. For some reason, that stuck with me for like a good two yeah. minutes. So I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, no, I gotta let this go. This is okay. Back to what we're doing. But it also makes sense in context too. Like they probably know those mountains like the back of their oh, hands. Yeah. You know, that's their yeah, that's their playground. They're well versed in uh, <laughs> in how to avoid. I forget the name of those. Those uh, we didn't get to see alive one of those. Uh, what was it called? A v- Vamga. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of wish we could have seen a live one. Yeah, I thought we were going to. I mean, they they yeah, they, they kind of set it up, at least narratively, <laughs> yeah. that we would have. Well, we did see one, but just not a not and yeah, not a live one. Well, I think we needed to know how dangerous they were to then have the surprise of oh well, yeah, we found one dead. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm, that's, that's true. Yeah. So maybe that's in the 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 deleted scenes that we missed. <laughs> it's the rest of the hour long version of this, yeah. this <laughs> episode hour and, and a half of deleted uh, scenes. Like what? One <laughs> can hope, right? <laughs> so yeah, so it's decided that the master is going to stay behind because he's better with ships. I'm not sure. I I feel like Dan was just like making the excuses of like this is why I want to go to the <laughs> yeah. mountains. And he's like, you're better with ship. So you go stay with the ship. And yeah, that was kind of like, well, then why were you flying the ship just a few minutes ago? <laughs> right. And he never gets on the ship. So right. he stands out there like yeah. with a communicator. Like, yes, Dan. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but when I saw the, the Sith ship, it looks like the very front part of Darth Vader's helmet. Mm. It's mm-hmm. kind of got the the triangle kind oh. of uh i don't know if that was intentional or not but that's that's where my mind went i was thinking of kylo's shuttle a little bit mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah, yeah me too yeah it's a bunch of combined oh. elements definitely yeah. i think so yeah <laughs> they kind of dug around and said okay what would a sith ship look like which i have yeah. to say i i was really impressed with both of the ships that we saw in mm-hmm. this episode because um the ship that they come in on is nothing like really anything that we've seen but it fits so well. It's very much a Star Wars ship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this one too. It it Star Wars is. I mean, th- that ship is. 
I, I guess you would call Star Wars more a science fantasy than a science mm-hmm. fiction. And so it, yeah, it, 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 it felt like it belonged. Um, and you just don't think about necessarily how that Sith ship works too closely, um, right. you know, but it works. Um, and of course they're, they're planting the seeds here too, that they think that this might be a Sith. But they're sort of also alluding to the fact that the Sith have been extinct for hundreds of years. So they're they're kind of they're not quite sure what to expect with this elder. Um, That's what made me think High Republic, because isn't it mm-hmm. basically canon, basically, that by the time of the original trilogy, the Sith's been gone for a thousand years or, or give or take. I think they well, say that in the prequels, don't they? they? They say that this one happens just before they think the Phantom it, yeah. Menace. That's the uh, the, oh, the okay. trigger. The, the guys, the guys who produced it, they said that this one is just oh, prior and... to the Phantom Menace. Oh, interesting. Cool. So it should okay. lead into the Phantom Menace the way that Rogue One leads into um, the original trilogy. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Well, and that I mean that fits at least. Well, the, the Sith aren't gone either. We know that, of course. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Well, and and hmm. I mean even. Sith in general are, are it's like this the elder is clearly a Sith, but he's also not a Sith. And so mm-hmm. like Well, it's even, kind of like Ahsoka, right? Like right. she's she's not a Jedi, mm-hmm. but she's kind of a Jedi, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I I think of it as the same thing. Well, and I've always I guess I've always wondered about that. Like at at this point in in the canon, like there's there's two Sith, the the rule of two. Who's to say that there's not a Jedi who's gone dark that's outside of the the two, you know, and they're they're just a dark Jedi but not a Sith. Like it it They're not organized. I think that's kind of the idea behind the Sith and the Jedi is sort of the institutionalization mm-hmm. of it. You okay. know. Well, that 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 helps. Um because the, the at least some of the legends novels post Return of the Jedi have really kind of they've they've dealt with this. Like they end up discovering a whole planet of Sith. And Sith becomes like a a culture more than like just like a, a Jedi or a, a force user who's dark. Um, well, in, in back in the day before the reboot, <laughs> there was a whole, there was a, a, a people that were called Sith yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah. Right. The, the name came from. And so it was, they were dark force users. That was like the, their entire culture was built on that. And then they passed that on to Revan eventually, but through mm-hmm. uh, before him, some other uh, Jedi as well. So, I don't know. I would like to see that explored a little more deeply in the newer canon to figure out where it all fits. There is a rumor of an like a Old Republic movie potentially in the works. So we might. I would love to see something like that, but we we might get Mm. some of that. Um, But I'm not sure. Um, So the the whole the the Sith kind of uh, identity sort of comes up, Uh, Dan. Um, after he he comes across the the Vamga, he realizes that it was killed with a lightsaber blade, and he is then encountered by this elder, and he, the elder recognizes Dan as a Jedi, and this is where we have uh, an interesting point that the elder makes. He Dan asks him if he's a Sith, and the elder responds that the Sith became far too obsessed with trying to outwit each other. And therefore, they neglected their destiny and they are extinct. 
And so that's uh, that's where the, the rule of two kind of um, boiled down to. But even in general, I think the rule of two would be incredibly horrible to, to live out. Like, you know, and of course, that's kind of the point. Uh, but right. like, <laughs> I was gonna say, well, they are Sith. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I almost feel bad for someone like Count Dooku, who is like never really going to do anything as a Sith Lord. He was just like a, a temporary placeholder until Anakin Skywalker was was the right the right moment for him to to come in and and become a Sith himself. And then Darth Maul himself, who mm-hmm. was one of the Sith and then was not anymore. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he sort of I mean, he I mean, spoiler alert, he survived, you know, episode one. <laughs> um, if you haven't watched uh, the Clone Wars, uh, go back and watch the Clone Wars. And of course, if you've seen Solo, he's in Solo as well. But and if you didn't watch Clone Wars and saw Solo, like some of my <laughs> friends are so completely confused. <laughs> <laughs> understandable right like i thought that dude got cut in half like, oh, like it's, we'll talk later yeah. then he had spider legs and then he didn't have yeah. spider legs how much do i tell them yeah it's a thing and then some ghost witches <laughs> like him. you know it's like what i like thomas is yeah it's a thing that's <laughs> phenomenon. like it's trust me no Wait, you mean he fell? He fell a great distance. Yeah, that's not. He's not dead in Star Wars terms. <laughs> that's like what you do if you want someone to survive, right? <laughs> Just throw him off a cliff. Uh, yeah. So, but but he's he's an interesting one too because yeah, no no longer Sith, but he still at least uh, kind of dabbles in on all things dark and you know the crime the crime syndicate and all of that kind of stuff. Um. So, so yeah, he's, he's out of the institutional Sith thing, but, but still, still, still a bad guy. Um, Dan and the elder, uh, engage in, in their, their fight and Thomas, I didn't really have much to say here. So I, if you have, if you have more to say on the fight, please, uh, please jump in. So this is a it's actually really funny because they kind of turned a historical figure on his head here um with uh, Miyamoto Musashi was known for being um a braggart and a duelist and he's normally thought of as generally a positive figure i i mean he's he wrote one of the best treaties on uh swordsmanship uh, in the history of of anything written about swordsmanship but uh, he used two two blades and he loved dueling and he he always wanted to be up against the best challenger. That's what he was looking for was a, a real challenge to be able to fight against. And so when he starts sparring uh, with Dan here, I, I, that's what I thought of immediately was just this this figure of the swordsman that that's what he wants to do is just win a truly difficult battle or lose trying. And that that's mm-hmm. the way that he wants to be. And so when when he's when he finds out that dan's really not you know all that he, he's like okay <laughs> never mind you're not the one i want i felt a I felt a presence in the force is not you <laughs> and um and that's kind of that's kind of where this is coming from is that that sense of um the the samurai because there there were a lot of points where there was peace amongst the the different warring houses in Japan, but these guys were swordsmen. That's what they did. That's they lived and breathed that every day of their life. And so 
there were a lot of times where they would be in fights that had nothing to do with honor or uh you know what your lord wanted it's just you know i've heard you're really good with a sword let's go and and that's the way they, they, would, they would happen one of the greatest stories i have and, and we'll come back to talking about the fighting style that um that the master uses but one of the greatest stories that i've read is about the development of uh this martial arts style that was about using open hand so no weapons and uh the blade master who told his uh his apprentices to go out and discover this when they came back one of them said i've I've got it i'm ready for i'm ready to teach this uh to everyone he said okay well you need to show it to me and told the the guy to give up his blade and then walk out onto the battlefield and immediately attacked him with his sword as he was walking away from him and the guy fortunately for him actually knew his stuff and disarmed the master immediately like you know it was able to throw him on the ground and disarm him and afterwards all the apprentices asked him were you really going to kill him and and the master said well i mean if if his uh if his technique wasn't worthwhile then yeah i mean that <laughs> he needed it needed to be an actual combat situation <laughs> for me to see that he was going to you know that he learned what he needed to learn and so that's that's kind of the way these guys thought was just the the mastery of combat was everything to them. The Bushido, that was that's what they did was they they became the best at what. they And so when they didn't have anything to fight for, when there was no war. Very much like Dan, interestingly, they still wanted to use the blade. They still wanted to to prove their prowess, to prove all the things that they'd learned. I almost wonder if you were to compare the elders fighting style with Asajj Ventress's style, if they would be similar, because um, that's kind of the, the character that I was thinking of just in terms of canon characters that we know. I would say they were very close. Yeah. Very quick, rapid movements. Lots of I, I, it was a very real uh, fighting style that he was using too. the 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 one sword over the shoulder, one sword at the side, and then cutting across twice and having the, the blades on the other side, that very much choreographed very well. Yeah, and she also was pretty, I mean, throughout the, the fights that we saw with her that were kind of more lengthy, we could see that she was the type to kind of mock you and and comment about how interesting you were, you know, as a, mm-hmm. as a fighter, as, a, as an opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found I found that actually really interesting on a <clears throat> on a spiritual level too, because um, uh, Thomas, you actually mentioned that he's sort of the um, the like the the demon kind of character, mm-hmm. and so like he he is mocking Dan and like pointing out his Dan's insecurities as he's fighting, and he's you know telling him that that he's boring, you know, and, and that he's, he's going to kill him. And that's how his, the master's going to show himself. Um, he's saying that, you know, he's not, he's not strong in the force. And, and this is very, um, I mean, this is similar tactics to, um, how, I mean, just how Satan attacks us by trying to point out our insecurities and, and our own fears, you know, and it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, uh, Dan isn't, Dan is not boring or he's, you know, not, not no small fry when it comes to the force, but, uh, the elder is trying to get him to falter and to give in to that fear of his own insecurities. And that's, I mean, that's exactly how the spiritual life, how, how, um, the enemy, uh, tries to, to, to pull us down as well. 
Yeah, I never thought about that. But when they're on the ship and he's talking about how he wants to see some action and he's ready to fight, you know, and then here's this fight. And you're right. That was kind of the thing that he wanted to be good at. And then when it came down to it, he wasn't ready for a Sith. You know, he wasn't ready for that action. And I, my mind goes back to that scene where we just see for a brief moment, we see Dan's side profile and he's like gulping, like, oh, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, just taking that deep breath um, to try to recover from that, um, that insult that he got, you know, Mm -hmm. that he, that he wasn't the one that was strong with the force. But he, he will be. And that, that was kind of, you know, one of the things at the end of the episode that, that the master kind of points out to him, like, you're going to continue to grow and you're going to, you're going to get stronger. And, um, there's as much as they are a master and apprentice, uh, relationship, uh, this was, this was also a kind of a father son sort of Mm -hmm. uh, mentorship too, which was, which was nice to see. Um, I also thought that Dan was killed in that moment. So I was very happy. Yeah, I was kind of surprised he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And he recovered. I don't know how fast, but it seemed like they must have had to have been there for a while before they left, because Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that that was, you know, an easy wound to recover from. It's cartoonized, like you know, if it doesn't go all the way through, you're good. It's just a flesh wound sealed back up. Well, you know what could have happened is the master could have just put his hand on the wound and tried really, really hard. I was legitimately wondering about that. I was like, dude, if this guy's really strong with the force, then did he force heal him? I'm still, I'm still not there on that one. But that's a whole other show. They only had 20 minutes to tell the story. They couldn't do yeah. all of it. <laughs> they they do imply there, there is a bit of time passing, though, because when when mm-hmm. the master shows up, the elder is like sitting, um, you know, and, 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 and sitting and waiting for, for the master to show up. So, yeah, what what that what that timetable is, we, we have no idea, but there is some time that has passed. Um, and then at that point is the the, the fight with uh, the elder and the master. And, and the rain pours down. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That doesn't affect his hair, but detail. does affect his lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, there there yeah. was there was there was steam. Um and by the way, we're liking that Kylo saber sound effect package, aren't we? Cuz I think they, and I do. I, I think it's pretty awesome, but it's it's so clearly that, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty neat. Mhm. Uh anything to mention on the fight here, Thomas? Yes, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. Um, when he disarms uh, the elder, that is a classic move. Perfect way to deal with uh, with fighting against someone that has two two blades. You want to disarm him, and the way he does it, it, it's just so wonderfully choreographed. The whole thing, but yeah, it's it's very much back to that kind of um, the stoic, uh, uh, the calm motion of the the jedi as he's dealing with everything that this chaotic unpredictable opponent is throwing at him and it shows that he's much more mature not only as a bladesman but or as a swordsman but as a a force user because none of none of the things that the the sets the the, the elder says ruffle him they don't get him out of sorts the only thing that throws him off is seeing the uh the lightning technique but even then it's only for a moment and he knows exactly what to do to deal with it even though it's something that he's probably never seen before but only read about or heard about 
and he that's adjusts. that's when he got my most 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 respect. I mean, I re- he had my respect from the beginning, but I just loved like you see that coming, and your reaction is that technique. <laughs> <laughs> just David, like like it was it was such a David Harbor type thing. It was it was so funny. I just I love that line. That was one of my favorites. That technique. He didn't use the the Yoda uh, technique where you just like absorb it into your into your hands like yeah, he did in episode right. two, but but yeah. you know <laughs> deflected it with his blade, uh, which was which was not something Luke was able to do in Return of the Jedi. So mm-hmm. it's not yeah. something that just comes to your mind when you're fighting against someone with Force lightning. So something that I I mean I'm I don't know fight technique, but something that I picked up on in this particular fight was. If we really see the masters uh, being very deliberate and very mm-hmm. intentional, especially uh, highlighted when he finally takes out his opponent just to see, mm-hmm. you know, they use distraction against the opponent. And then um, thanks to Dan, of course. Um, and then, you know, one one hand of the elder is um, armed with the lightning and the other with the uh, lightsaber. And yet, even with those two, the Jedi is so um, composed that he's able mm-hmm. to plan exactly what he's going to do. He just puts his his unarmed saber, or his, I guess, retracted saber right to his chest and then mm-hmm. ignites it. And I thought that, that was amazing. <laughs> finally, finally, somebody turned the lightsaber off and turned it back on again. <laughs> there has been so well, much discussion about that. Uh, ben, or well, uh, Kylo does it with yeah. the guy's head behind yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Very quickly. Room, right? But I, yeah, but I, I thought this was so much cooler, though. It's just He's just like, and I'm done with this. <laughs> Bam. Like, just, like. <laughs> But Brilliant. very, very deliberate. I mean, he even like holds yeah. it against his chest for like a couple like heartbeats before he yeah he ignites the blade. That really impressed me. Yeah, I. <laughs> well, I don't ever anybody who's not that. familiar with yeah anybody who's not familiar with anime dramatic pauses like that <laughs> are a mainstay. <laughs> like lots of going back and forth between people's faces while they're waiting to do their next move. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I needed those heartbeats or whatever, however mm-hmm. you want to put it, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of grasp what was happening. I even went back and rewound it a couple times just to just to see that again and to kind of watch how uh, Dan's lightsaber came in. And I, I wasn't even sure what happened with that yep. lightsaber. Um, so, yeah, it was very well done. And it was, um, you know, it was again, it was a short fight. Both of them were short fights but very memorable that's it doesn't need to be drawn out and again this goes back to the 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 choreography tells such a beautiful story about the characters uh it tells how deliberate the jedi is versus how chaotic and unpredictable and dangerous the sith is and and you know the dialogue's great but you you really have to move out of just the, the sword the sword fighting happening and the dialogue telling the story into the sword fighting telling the story of who these characters are mm-hmm. and it's almost uh contrary to maybe our our uh movie action sen- uh sensibilities um and what i mean by that is i remember 
like when episode three was going to come out in theaters, like one of the biggest things was how long the lightsaber battle was going to be between yeah. Obi-Wan and, and Anakin Skywalker. And as a fan of that kind of just that kind of action, it was super exciting and it was a f- great battle, but there, it, it tells a whole different story than a, than a short, small, deliberate, you know, 30 mm-hmm. second battle, which is, which was this one compared to a, I don't know, 20 minutes or however long mm-hmm. uh, that one dragged out. And so, yeah, it kind of, uh, yeah, different, different way of storytelling, but, uh, but also very, very good. That's part of the reason that I really like the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, the final uh, mm-hmm. battle, yeah. because it's, it's that same thing where it's just, it's short and it, it doesn't need to be long. There's, there's yep. no point in it being long. It is the culmination of the two characters finally meeting each other and the control that Obi-Wan has been able to come to over himself and the just absolute uh, frayed ends that Maul is at at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, there's even like, a, you know, you can get a David and Goliath thing potentially with something like that. And that maybe not in this one because, well, at least because the guy's so small, you, know, you tend to think <laughs> of Goliath as big. I, I yeah. know I don't have a lot of good things to say about the 2004 Troy movie. However, that, that very... <laughs> That very first scene, I do remember how cool that was in the theater, at least when you know, like you're, you're sort of expecting this big fight between Achilles and this big dude, you know, big guy beating his chest type thing. And then just like duck, jump up, stab, done. And then you're kind of like, oh, crap, like that's <laughs> like, you know, um, that's it? The, the, the subtlety of, yeah, like you could run around hitting your swords together for 20 minutes, but then your swords all messed up and, uh, you know, and you're exhausted. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I know, I know nothing about, you know, sword choreography and, and that kind of stuff, but I've, I've really enjoyed, there's a couple of cool YouTube videos with some, some, you know, uh, sword fighting experts breaking down the different, you know, uh, uh, lightsaber duels and stuff. And it is, it's funny. A lot of times it's like the, some of the ones I really like are the ones that are the worst, you know, from an actual, <laughs> yep. like how this would go sort mm-hmm. of way. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's why this, this one just felt different and just felt i don't know felt more authentic i guess is, is how i saw it so and so good because you're telling me i saw it right right no yeah 100 <laughs> yes. yeah. because there's been yeah. so many times you know as a fencer uh you would watch the really good bouts and the really good bouts were long pauses where the two are just flicking their swords at each other and you know testing the defenses and nothing's really happening it looks really boring and then all of a sudden everything happens and it's done and 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 you you have to kind of take a minute to breathe and rewind in your head everything that just happened to figure out you know like like you were saying angela where you're like watching this and it's like wait a minute what exactly went on there and so that's a great battle because it's that's the way it happens that's the way it really works and and you know fencing is obviously just a sport version of it but it's from everything that i've read that's the way martial arts always has been and the real battles are always that way where it's uh there's a great scene uh in the last samurai uh with tom cruise that mm-hmm. he has learned how to do all of the bushido uh, he's been practicing with a practice sword and he's confronted with his first moment of actually fighting and it's over very quickly. Like it's, it's an instantaneous what happens. And then he sits there for a minute and processes the whole thing. And he visually slows it down in his mind so that he's doing all the forms through the entire combat and sees everything that he just did. And it's like, that's, that's the way it feels where you've just practiced mm. 
your sword moves here, your sword moves here, your sword moves here. And it just happens when you're on the battlefield, when, you, when you're actually in that moment, your body knows how to do it. And that's what you're supposed to do as a martial artist. Well, and it makes it makes total sense on a practical level, too, that you don't want to fight like that to be drawn out because you're mm-hmm. going to lose energy. <laughs> you're going to be more likely right. to die the longer <laughs> that the battle goes. So you want to yeah. you want to shut down your opponent as quickly as possible and yeah, not engage in 20 minutes of swordplay. So, yeah, this 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 fight was was quick and and very very uh uh insightful. Uh so Thomas, I appreciate your <laughs> your your background there. Um this pretty much kind of con- concludes the episode more or less. There was um the the elder does uh remotely blow up his ship and his body disintegrates so they have nothing to go on on who he was <laughs> or um his background as potential Sith. Which means we have nothing to go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> unless they uh, unless they write a novel or do something. <laughs> and um and then it, it, it kinda ends with, with the master and and Dan kind of reflecting on on the battle. And uh, again, sort of a, a bit of sage sage wisdom here. And the the master is 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 very modest and in fact he says that the only reason that he beat the elder was because the elder was old. And so what he said, what defeated the elder in the end was not me, but time. He couldn't win against the weakness that comes with age. Mm. Uh, No matter how powerful you become, no, it will not last forever. And so I, I appreciated this because it speaks to the reality that he recognizes that, I mean, ultimately everything in this, everything in this world will pass away. Like even, even our strength, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of peak in our, in our, uh, physical strength and it'll decline. And, um, you know, on, on this side of heaven, that's nothing's, nothing's forever. Yeah. I was, um, just struck by the timing of us watching this episode this week because, uh, this week being Christ the King. Um, and that is very much a theme right? Uh, that, you know, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So in other words, like having power for its own sake is pretty much useless. And it's like the, the master says to Dan, right? Like the, with power, you can protect those without it. And that's Mm -hmm. what makes it useful in the end. So, um, yeah, I just, I thought that was really neat just the timing of it. And then he ends by basically telling Dan, you know, uh, that he's going to get stronger. But ultimately, he says, do not forget your training and your kindness. And so I, I appreciated that. And he then encourages Dan to go say goodbye to to his uh, the, the village kids that he has made friends with, you know, uh, again, to kind of echo those um, those kind of relationships and the kindness that he showed them. And um, and those are the yeah, those are the things that that um, ultimately uh will not pass away love will not pass away but you know uh everything that we do in this world um should should be geared in that direction you know i looked up the specific word for kindness and i went through all kinds of stuff to try to because i don't speak japanese so i literally was there like with google translate like conversation mode like on my phone and my <laughs> laptop speakers like all the way up and i played that particular quote and then I tried to like break it down, like as far as the characters, like, okay, which of these say kindness, right? So it took me a while. 
but because you know knowing other languages like i was like okay kindness like that's a broad concept mm -hmm. like what mm -hmm. does that mean for this particular mm -hmm. word in japanese and i wanted to know because it was sort of like the whole <laughs> the whole lesson for dan right right so so i looked it up and it's yasashi and that means in japanese kind gentle tender affectionate graceful and amiable and of the examples that i saw as i was looking through um, the use of this word in context they all had to do with relationships between loved ones so like an embrace of a mother and a father or how uh, a sister speaks to, you know, um, another sibling, um, that kind of kindness. So I thought that was really um, very interesting on the level of, you know, what Dan took away from it. It's not just being kind as in, you know, extending you know, thinking of another person or um, extending a hand or, you know, that kind of kindness, but it's something that's tender, something that is um, gentle. And so very much when you bring that into the context of his relationship with the children, then I thought that was a beautiful lesson because, you know, here is this power versus humility lesson, right? Um, and children are always the primary example for that. Well, and he's probably learning, too, that, I mean, he, he wanted the excitement. He wanted the fight. He wanted the action. And, you know, his master is teaching him that the, the relationships, that love, that kindness mm -hmm. is actually more important than going out to find the next battle. Now, I was really happy, like, coming back around full circle to talking about the production company that made this. <laughs> because um, Trigger is awesome. Uh, they have a lot of really great stuff, but what you have to imagine all of their anime is, is the, the twins episode and this mashed together. So <laughs> the seriousness okay. and, and, you know, the gravity and, um, depth that this one has, but also the silliness and the kind of just over the top ridiculous, uh, nature of the twins episode get combined in a lot of the stuff that they do so if you're if you're looking for anime stuff uh then yeah they have they have that very much that feel going on with all of their anime i'm i'm intrigued <laughs> <laughs> okay um any other final thoughts on this story at, story arc before we wrap things up um i just wanted to mention again since sometimes we talk about the um the music Mm. that it was um, definitely different, I think, from the other Visions episodes that we've seen. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it was, again, as the Twins episode was, it was, again, done by Mishiro Oshima. Um, just a quick re uh, refresher, she uh, has won many Japanese Academy Awards. And um, so, yeah. I think she she's definitely made an impression on me um, just from these two episodes and uh, other things that I've I've looked up because of her um, composing the music for these mm -hmm. two episodes. Mm -hmm. I definitely stayed with the credits all the way through that last song. It was so good. The only other thing that I would point out, too, is is that the art style was was also really cool and it fit and it was 
dark and I mean, just added to the sense of kind of sinister and foreboding of um, that that encounter that they have with the elder. So the 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 art, the art on this was also uh, really well done. I have to say before we end, though, I have to say Master Crosser is my favorite Jedi, like hands down. I I love his character. (laughs) I love what he stands for. I love the way that he approaches the force and the the Jedi code, uh, you know, and Qui-Gon is always held like a really high regard for me in that, that, that same way. Mm-hmm. But this is even a step beyond that, in my opinion, of really understanding the depth and nature of the force. And it's done in like a 20 minute block, <laughs> which is just <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Well, and I mean, I think there is hope. Um, I don't they they haven't formally announced anything, but, you know, if this did well enough, there could be a vision season two and perhaps they would they would come back to um, to play with some of these characters that we've uh, barely gotten to know. So we'll see there. There's there's a lot coming in the next year, but I I imagine they would do something uh, with with visions again. So it's sort of the Star Wars version of what if. And I think that appeals to a lot of people. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that I, 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 they would get an audience for this if they, if they did more of it. So that does conclude our discussion on The Elder. Listeners, we want to know what you thought of The Elder. And you can let us know in all sorts of ways. You can email us your feedback at starwars.sqpn.com. And you can let us know on our Facebook or, Facebook or Twitter page. And we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuestMedia. And you can tweet at us and follow us on Twitter at SQPN. We'd like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including Father Brian M., Joshua M., Matthew W., John F., and Paul J., Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we make here at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, another plug, if you want to get your own official Secrets of Star Wars t-shirt or various merch, we have coffee mugs, stickers, magnets, and and the like that encapsulates our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. You can purchase all of those items and more by going to sqpn.com slash merch. Uh, They make excellent Christmas gifts. Hint, (laughs) hint, wink, wink. Uh, They're also really cool. So please go check that out. And also make sure, of course, that you are subscribed to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can find us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, your favorite podcast player. And you can find us on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just make sure to click that bell to get uh, notifications of every new episode. And you can find all of our previous episodes by going to sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back next week as we will take a deeper look into the eighth episode of Star Wars Visions, Lop and Ocho. So until next time, Thomas Sanjurjo, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It's been great. Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us this evening as well. Hey, anytime. And Angela Cialana, always a pleasure to have you on board as well. Arigato gozaimasu. Am I doing better? <laughs> You're doing great. It's sounding good. <laughs> And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>